1: Okay, uh, this is the uh, Coventry Telegraph podcast, while we sing together, episode 9, and I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Sky Blues legend, Deli Adabola. Um, hi Delhi Hi. Um, 163 league appearances, 31 goals, I make it for the Sky Blues, is that about right? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Five year spell, for the Sky Blues, between 2003 and 2008, but um, I just want to take you back to... Um, the early beginnings, um, when you, you moved over to um, to England um, because of your dad, your dad was working over here, wasn't he, in the shipping industry, is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, he worked for a Nigerian shipping company and he used to sort of, he was based in the UK and would be backwards and forwards quite often. Yeah, and he, he was based in, in Liverpool, so that's where you sort of grew up? Yeah, yeah, I can't accent. So, um, like, uh, my mum and my older brothers were over there and um, when we were to be born, like um, my mum and dad, we went back to Nigeria to, to office. Like so, my mum would have support from her family around as yeah. well. And
1: then you started playing football. Obviously, you had a, a love of football from a very early age, and you had a couple, some brothers as well. Did you play football with your brothers.
0: Yeah, um, it was a bit of a weird one. My my brothers didn't have the same interest that one of my younger brothers um, enjoyed it as much, but think I was a real fanatic I, I, you couldn't get me away from a ball in, in school after school I, I was just constantly playing really and you were offered um, you played with Robbie Fowler didn't you um, at schoolboy level is that right? yeah it must have been from the age of 12, 13 up to 16 so we went through um, schoolboy years together and um, offered professional contract at, well, at YTS at the time and professional contracts at Liverpool and, and you supported Liverpool as a lad, did you? Yeah, um, a big red. I've, I've always supported Liverpool.
1: Yeah. But you you opted for, for Cruz. So, what happened there then? Because obviously, Robbie um, did sign for, for Liverpool. But what happened?
0: Yeah, I, there, was a, I, there was a big difference um, even back then. Robbie was, I think, the gold child of Liverpool. He, he um, was at Liverpool from a very early age. Um, you know they took real care. I mean, I think at times used to get picked up and dropped off from from schoolboy's training and, and stuff. And um, I, even though I was sort of part of Liverpool schoolboy setup and stuff, and you know he was set up, set apart as a star of the future. Mm. And just seeing that, I suppose, makes you think. Um, what chances have you really got? To to I, I've got a lot of self belief in in, my, in myself, but. I just wanted to become a professional footballer mm. and the, the opportunity to go to a, a club like Crew who, who, I was there, Robbie Fowler if you want to call it that um, and w- was treated really, really well um, promised if I if I was there at 16, 17 I'd make my debut it just seemed too good an opportunity to, to turn down And mm. um,
1: Crew, I mean, it's, uh, over the years has got a fantastic reputation for producing young players, hasn't it? So, who were your peers at the time who, who came
0: through it or, uh, either before you or during? Or yeah, I mean, um, a couple of the, the older ones, the, there was the likes of Neil Lennon, um, Ashley Ward, um, Gareth, Gareth Wally, actually, he was only a year older than me, but, um, but m- around my age and slightly younger, um, and in, this, in and around the same team, was um, Robbie Savage, um, Danny Murphy, um, Seth Johnson. Uh, There's so many players who've gone on and, and, and had really good careers. Ashley, Ashley Westwood. Um, yeah, so it was a, a very, it was a it was a team full of, of future stars. I mean, yeah. even in the coaching staff, um, Steve Holland. And um, we he went. He's, he was at Chelsea and, and does his bit for England. The, the coaching staff was was um. Very, he had a very good backroom staff then so. mm-hmm. as yeah. well.
1: And, uh, and you, you scored—is um, it 39 goals in 123 games for the crew, which obviously alerted some
0: bigger clubs. Yeah, yeah and straight away from the age of, um, like I said, from 17 to 20, um, my best se- season being the one just before I was sold, where we got promoted from League One to the Championship. I think I scored 17 goals in that, so I was just really learning my trade and and managed and managing to hit the back of the net really uh, fairly regularly
1: yeah and then uh, I mean I think there was some interest in from uh, West Ham wasn't there
0: yeah we, we like I said we'd just been promoted we, um, and West Ham um, I think came in and, and made an offer uh, which at the time I, I'm sure I was in the last year of my contract um, and Dario just dismissed it. it just wasn't interested at all and yeah. um, uh, Obviously, I, I left later on that season, but uh, it was under slightly different circumstances.
1: Yeah. And it was Birmingham City, wasn't it? The for you and um, a million pound fee. Uh, Trevor Francis was manager at the time, is that right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, what was it like? I mean, we sold for a million pounds, such a big fee. I mean, back in the day, I mean, Trevor Francis was the first million pound player, wasn't he, back in the day? And when he
0: was a black, but still, it was when he was bought for a million pounds, it's still a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, it is I think um, Trevor was very determined to, to, to bring me in at the time, and, and it was you know a great honour for someone of that stature to to um, put the boat, boat out to bring in a young, relatively untried player in, in the championship and, and spend that kind of money on him You know, there was there was the likes of Peter Unlove, Paul Furlong, Nicky Forster. There was some big names there, and I, not that I felt intimidated, but like you know. I, I do look back and think um, yeah he's he's shown a lot of faith in me mm-hmm.
1: and the, you know that in your in your own mind that sort of million pound does that sort of weigh heavy on your, your shoulders at the time or not I never thought about it to be honest
0: yeah I think obviously maybe some people do but I, I can't ever remember thinking about um, the money aspect of it in terms of, of what he paid for mm-hmm. it, it just didn't really cross my mind it didn't affect me in terms of, no. of um, me going out and playing I've uh, never really um, thought too much about mm. whatever I've gone for to be honest it certainly didn't
1: affect your it? was
0: it 5 goals in the first 5 games? yeah, yeah I got off to a cracking <laughs> crack start yeah yeah. Um, it, was a, it, it was a really good and we just missed out on, on promotion I think we just fell short of the playoffs and funny enough um, Wimbledon came in for me at the same time and Charlton Athletic and Charlton Athletic did get promoted and of them right. were already in the Premier League so mm. um, you know it was a little bit disappointing because I, Birmingham with the big money spenders had probably the best squad and that. thought thought mm. they were going to end up in the Premier League as well but mm. um, yeah just just was not to be that, that mm. season
1: and is, was it then that you did your cruise ship knee
0: while you were at Birmingham yeah I, it was maybe three years into my, it was my third season um, I, again, the season has gone really, really well for me, and um, I, I think i would fallen out with a hamstring injury, and it was my first game back from that. And I've literally gone to try and score a goal and received a bit of a nudge in the back and hit the hit the post, and which resulted in in that injury, which uh, you know could have been career. And in fact, I was told there was a good chance that would have ended my career. There. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tough going, and you know. I suppose,
1: did it take longer to come back from a cruise ship back in the day than it does these days? With
0: yeah, it wasn't just a cruise ship. There was a lot of other complications to it mm. as well. There was, um, I actually tore my lateral ligament and my knee capsule was split in half as well. Okay. So, there was there was uh, I, I always say cruise ship, but I, I'm not really going into detail, but there was a lot more that happened mm. in, in result of that collision. And
1: how long were you out for? Um,
0: before I played again, it was around a year over a year yeah. it was over a year yeah.
1: and then you came out and obviously there was a changing manager uh, Steve Bruce was then the manager at the time and you went off to Palace and Trevor Francis signed you again
0: yeah uh, Steve Bruce I actually played with Steve Bruce when I first went to Blues um, he was the captain and, and actually we used to travel in together to, to crew so i drive to Manchester and he'd pick me up and take me down so I had a really close relationship with Steve um, and when, when it came to when he came in, uh, like all managers, he got tough decisions to, to make, and, mm-hmm. and I think one of them, um, play just coming back from injury, um, being out a year, I, I'm not sure if he if he could have played me the amount of games I needed to to um, have a full recovery, and that's what he told me, and mm-hmm. ultimately um, let me go to to Palace. Yeah,
1: yeah. and you had a year there before. Um, you moved to the Sky Blue, So, when how did that come about? I mean, you were like signed by Gary McAllister. What what were the circumstances behind that?
0: Um, yeah, so i have had that fo- first full year at Crystal Palace, and and, and did relatively okay. I, I think I finished with maybe seven or eight goals. Yeah. Um, but just the fact that I was playing again was like it was a, it was a great. Se- it was a successful season for me. And Gary McAllister, I remember playing against um, Palace. I mean against Coventry at our place you know, and I had quite a good game and I think maybe that's what prompted the to come in for me, um, Coventry were in a little bit of trouble in terms of um, like in administration and, and there was other problems but for me coming back to the Midlands was, was really important um, so like I, I came back and thought I had five um, good years there mm. at Coventry.
1: But it was a a bit of a slower start than it was at Birmingham, wasn't it? And then you had
0: another serious injury, didn't you, was it? Yeah, yeah. Um, From my time at Palace, like I said, it was my first full year back. Mm. There was injuries that I played through. There was injuries that, like, left me off for a couple of weeks. Nothing too serious, but um, when I came into Coventry, like, I I don't think I was right. um, And we'd gone through three, four months, and... It felt like I couldn't sprint, but th- didn't show and nothing really showed up on any tests. Um, I ended up out of the team and went up and asked if I could go on loan because I just couldn't. If, I, if there was nothing wrong with me, I, well, if nothing had been picked up, I was I, I was the first one to wonder what was wrong. So mm-hmm. I went on loan to Burnley, and then like I tore my stomach muscle, and then the doctor there said it was re- it was the result of I had a hernia which, because I'd put so much strain and, and, and not had it repaired and whatever, my muscles were doing all the work and, and mm-hmm. resulted in, in that tear. so I had a double hernia operation from there and yeah. probably too much information there, but <laughs> yeah, um, that, that's, yeah, that, that really um, slowed my progress at Coventry really, so... Mm-hmm.
1: And then you really sort of got going under under Peter Reed, I guess, which was just after Eric Black. But
0: did you play much on there, Eric? Um, Not really. I think he was straight after McAllister. And um, yeah, I I think I'd gone on loan. I think it might have been actually Eric who who let me go on loan Mm. and stuff. So, there, um, in terms of me getting an opportunity, I suppose it was too soon. And then I was injured, so I, I mm. didn't really get that opportunity to come back then. But when Peter Reed came in, um, I, I did okay pre season, but then I wasn't automatically put back into the first team. And, and like I think you'll probably see by my record, I've got probably six or seven clubs that I stand for, and maybe another 10 that I'd gone on loan to. I I'd get really restless and I just want to play football. Mm. So again, I was in, in to Peter Reed, kind of go on long? He let me go on to Bradford, where I did quite well actually. Yeah. You know, I had a really um, fruitful partnership with Dean Windass. We were top of the, of um, the division, they doing really well. And Peter Reed, really, I think ha- after seeing that, he called me, and, and and I think that's really when my Coventry career and mm. um, we, we started again. Mm.
1: What was Peter like to work for as a manager? Because I remember uh, as a journalist, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I mean, you know, one of the Um, obviously City fans probably hate me for saying this but one of the best managers I've worked with just because of the way he was with the press because you know he'd sort of say oh come on son come up to me and make you a cup of tea want some toast and then he'd be on the phone to, oh Fergie how you doing mate and he's on the phone to Alex Ferguson or Big Sam and all this sort of stuff and um, and it was just like almost like fly on the wall stuff you know I'm sort of sat there in his office and he says oh excuse me why don't you take this call and he's chatting away to Alex Ferguson and I'm just eavesdropping on it so it's like but, you know, obviously he only lasted about six months and wasn't popular with the fans because, you know, City's fortunes took a nosedive. But um But how
0: did you find him? What he was like as a player? I'm not I'm not surprised by anything you've just said there. Because even with the players, he was that kind of manager. He was more arm round your shoulder than giving yeah. a, a, a rollicking. Um, he was very much players' friends. He, you know, you, you could imagine yourself going for a drink. Even though okay. I don't think anyone... None of the players <laughs> ever did. Um, he was just that bubbly, lively character, and, and that works well, at, mm. you know. At, at times, it, because it makes you want to play for the managers as, as well. Yeah. And, and I suppose if you get the right mix of players in there, and maybe, and yeah. um, towards the end, there the wasn't the qu- quite the right mix for him to have as big an impact as, as mm. what he wanted to. Mm.
1: Now, a different animal altogether, Mickey Adams. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, what, what was he like? I, mean, he's, I don't know whether you've, he's just got an autobiography out, doesn't he? I don't know whether you're mentioning it. I'm ploughing my way through it at the moment. I haven't come across you yet, but because uh, um, uh, I mean, he, he was a bit of um, uh, um, well, I mean, he didn't uh, have any messing around, did he?
0: No, no, he didn't. He didn't. But like, again, it's, it's weird to say that. I, funnily, funnily enough, got on quite well with him, so. The moments he wasn't Mr. Angry, like <laughs> he, he would he would have laugh and a joke and, and he was a very amiable person. You would um, have um, like conversations with him and, and he was approachable. But when he lost it, like I don't think you wouldn't. See, there's not many other managers I can think yeah. <laughs> and go the other way as quickly or as often, mm. and it would normally result in. Um, Everyone in on the Sunday, um, doing just running, no footballs There's involved, Yeah. yeah it, but it was it was never a punishment under like his description would be oh no, it's just extra training. Um, <laughs> but like we would run until people, yeah, we would run until people dropped. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: But um, you had um, uh, some good partnerships, didn't you? And some good um, uh, relationships on
0: the field with, with players like Garrett Sheffield, and Stern John um, at the time yes I mean both fantastic players and um, and actually in, in um both of them have played at high level played in the Premier League and, and gone and done well and, and I'm just surprised that they didn't go even further McSheffrey the one year as a young kid um when you talk about attitude he would be the first one in first one to, and last one to leave he would be doing like his core work and, and practising shooting Um he he had so much drive at, at that point in time before mm. he, he got that move to Birmingham. It was no surprise to anyone that that he did so well. And mm. um, Stan didn't have that same same attitude to <laughs> training or whatever, but had so much ability that mm. he did he didn't need to. I'm just wondering what he would have been like if he did have that same attitude. But saying that he wouldn't, he might not be. Well, he wouldn't have been Stern, John. Mm. you know, and um, that laid back. Relaxed style um, is very deceiving, and, mm. and and maybe he used that to his advantage when he played because um, the ability of, of, of him was was fantastic. And both great players to play with.
1: Mm. So how would you describe your the way you play? Because I mean, you know, obviously your your size, big physical unit, that was a real big asset, wasn't it? But you know, you, you know, you're, you are like the. I suppose a stereotypical gentle giant because you are a really nice guy and quite laid back yourself off the field what were you like on the pitch were you, did you change or yeah
0: I, I went through multiple changes and i think that's the key to longevity i played till 38 um, yeah. as a as a young player crew i mean i started as a left back and then moved to left wing so um i was quick um i was tricky. Um, I. Like used to love taking people on and, and dribbling with the ball and yeah. stuff and um after my injury I had to change completely and, and then turn more into a like a target man or more of a focal point for yeah. to hold the plate yeah. for, for other strikers and stuff. So um yeah, there's there's t- that's I'd say two main descriptions but even even again th- I would adapt to the teams, the many teams that I ended yeah. up playing for really. Yeah.
1: But you could mix it up, you know, when you
0: wanted to. Yeah, definitely so. And and some managers would um, would insist on that. I remember um, my time at Nottingham Forest, and it was he wanted a big target man, a physical target man who would back in and battle and and really. Who was the manager? It was um, uh, Billy Davis. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Billy Davis. Billy Davis,
1: right? okay. And um, so what? tell me, the best games for Collins, for because there must be three or four, I and mean, I'm thinking the one that sort of stands out for me, I suppose it's three, isn't it? Blackburn Rovers, uh, third round of the FA Cup, um, 4-1 win, a new scored a couple of goals.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember that, and I'm, I'm, always, I'm always reminded of that by the fans, um, and it really sticks in my mind because... When we first went into the stadium, it was like um, Blackburn, there was an air revolt which is going to turn these over, it's going to mm-hmm. be one of those day, easy days for us and um, they came out and started as if that was going to happen. I remember the first half was horrible, mm-hmm. um, couldn't get near them, they were just past, Bentley was amazing, yeah. David Bentley at the time, and th- they had all their players playing fully on song, and we got nowhere near them. And then,
1: and they put that strong teams on at it? The first yeah, team.
0: yeah. They put their first team out, and um, it, it was weird. Ten minutes before half time, um, we just changed. Uh, like I don't know, maybe because we were still in the game, we sensed that that we could get something from it. And uh, I, of all my time at Coventry, I can't remember a contrast as big as that um, within the team sort of um, work ethic in terms of its just bravery to get on the ball and, and take take um, the game to someone so mm. but yeah that, that was a, a great one but then would that be one of your best goals as well because
1: that was a fantastic solo run wasn't
0: it mm. yeah yeah it's got to be up there yeah it, any goal that, that you go past players and, and dribble that used to be my forte when I was younger yeah, um, pre-accident I mean sorry post-accident mm. um, you know to do that again with probably half the pace mm. <laughs> um, was, was a delight me to me yeah. yeah, to show that I could still do it and that was under Ian Downey obviously uh, you'd also that season you'd been to Manchester United
1: and um, 11,000 fans um, mm. at Old Trafford and, um, and Michael Miss got the two goals that day but you played in that game so, did not you
0: yeah I come on, came on so um, for that game, so um, but it was a, it was a great occasion um, at, Old, at Old Trafford, you know. Um, they didn't have their full side out, mm. um, but still, um, just going to Old Trafford and, and beating them at any team that they put out is, um, is an occasion to be, mm. you know, to celebrate. Really, it was a great day out for fans and for the players. Mm. What was it like to play? With? It was great. I, I think. It's, it's really hard to explain it's in a very physical league where if the ball comes up to you you've normally got an elbow on your back or you've been kicked or like you literally no time on the ball all you can do is look for your strike partner like you know little sets and, and look to play and because of Mifsud the way he was and he was, he was just like a little fly Little what, what was his nickname the um <laughs> Mosquito Mosquito Mosquito. yeah he literally was the ball could come up and I could set it anywhere and even if he was outside I mean if he was on the left side of me and I set it to the right he would react and get to it before any defenders it was you could literally just do anything just be a wall and and he'd so as a strike partner in in that respect he used to make make everything um, look good Mm. Mm.
1: And then there's some other games that sort of stand out. I mean, it's the last game at Highfield Road and, and first one at the Ricoh. But look, talk about the, the last game at Highfield Road first of all.
0: I mean, um, uh, I mean that was a big occasion for the club, the fans, everybody was there. Yeah, um, yeah, at Highfield Road. Um, I think we were we were quite near the bottom as well, and and it wasn't the best seasons um, so far. And then what with the loss of Highfield Road, there was a lot of people who didn't want to move, um, and it was a time to say goodbye advice post to the mm. stadium and to to go about um, the way we did beating derby and to win six one, like mm. I mean just I think it showed how passionate every you know, how much the crowd drove the players on mm. to put in such a performance. Uh, it was a it was a great send off for, mm. for a great stadium really. What what was your goal at and um, um, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the score I can't remember the goal <laughs>
1: <laughs> but then the, the um, first game at the Rico um, uh, was quite memorable but uh, I mean it was a 3-0 uh, victory over QPR wasn't it and um, I think Klaus Yorton got the first with a flying header um, in the 10th and you got uh, did you get the two after
0: that? Yeah, yeah, So um, annoying that Klaus took all the limelight. <laughs> probably go down in history Klaus's name as opposed to mine, I mean, I'm joking um, no, it, it's I, I mean we spoke about this before, in terms of, before that, there was not just the first game at the Rico, there was a lot of um, stuff that went on bef- before that. We, we were out in um, IB firm, we played uh, in, in a cup against QPR. Pre-season. And, yeah, yeah, pre-season, yeah, and, and they beat us and celebrated as if they just won some kind of FA Cup or, right. or something, And and there was a lot of bad blood there was a lot of animosity and going into that fixture to make it even bigger mm-hmm. the crowd was fantastic it was on a lovely day it was just all set up and, and again we, we went out and performed and um, to win 3-1 on that first day um, yeah it was, it was another one and that's why I suppose mm-hmm. it's not just it being the first the first game at the And um, there was a lot of things that go into making mm-hmm. a special day and one, one of the three that, that I remember mm-hmm. the most I think you're 3-0 um, by half time, and then Danny Shittu got sent off and for clattering Unity. Yeah, yeah, get, they were getting very frustrated, and, and um, it was more of a clumsy challenge than anything, but I think I've made a running behind, and he's just dragged me down, I don't know if you thought I had a little bit of support, but he's collided with me and sent me sprawling, and, and from then, like, you know... Um, sh- should the shade so it's, it's just a shame you can score more goals <laughs> yeah but um, yeah yeah, fantastic well, I mean yeah, you're a
1: big lad but crikey you know, Danny Chittier what was he like to play against he was a big old unit wasn't he
0: yeah I, I was tall and, and reasonably thick set but he was just thick set. Mm. he was a couple of inches shorter than me but like as as wide as I was tall <laughs> almost <laughs> really um, so mm, who would do you say would be the best player that you've ever played with? Might go back to your earlier years, maybe. Yeah, yeah. A uh, difficult one, but our crew—it would have to. I'd have to say Danny Murphy, even mm. though um, there was likes of Robbie Savage and, and Seth Johnson and, and the likes. There, um, Murphy really brought my game on as well. It's, uh, it's like Mick Sheffy did a similar thing, sort mm. of played off me and, but more. To try and slide me in and, and get me more involved. So Danny Murphy played as a ten at, at times, and another mm. big influence on on um, on my career back then. We were really good friends as well. So. Mm.
1: You still watch him on the telly now?
0: Yeah, yeah. You just yes, you find yourself disagreeing with him and shouting at him. I, I, I just think <laughs> I, I'm not surprised he's ended up as a as a pundit. Mm. Uh, he he was a great um, student of the game. He uh, him and Daryl used to sit he'd sit sometimes by the side of the pitch discussing the team with the manager and yeah. no other players really really did that. He, you could tell that what was destined, I thought maybe a manager's role yeah. he was destined for, but a pundit is just as um, rewarding for him. Um, Safer, you know, yeah. more secure. Less, <laughs> yeah, safe and secure <laughs> and he can p- give his point of view which is which I think he does really, really well. Yeah.
1: What about the best player you've ever played against?
0: Um... You can include friends. <laughs> I, I can include friends, but I, won't. I remember playing against Marta Dessay, which, which I mean, I think we spoke about earlier. But um, the, the most bruising, the most challenging was against a young Rio Ferdinand. Mm-hmm. Um, we played again. I think he was on loan at Colchester, and as an 18-year-old, and we were told him, oh, "This 18-year-old playing." And he, Is this when you were a crew? Yeah, when mm-hmm. I was at crew, um, and. Um, we told a lot about him, and he's oh, going to be a future England star. But you hear 18, and you think, oh, it's just going to run over to the top of him. And it's, it's going to be an easier game. And mm-hmm. I remember I, I did score two goals against them, but two of the hardest four goals I've ever scored in, in, in my career. He literally was everywhere, pace, strength, um, anticipation. He'd try and nick in front all the time. Um, he he really was an accomplished centre half even at the age of 18 mm-hmm. so I'd, I'd have to say yeah real mm-hmm.
1: so just to, just to clear up Marcel saying, when did you play against him what was that game
0: um, it was in a pre-season friendly when I was at Crystal Palace mm-hmm. um, against um, I've been playing against i still been playing against but um, yeah I think there was John Terry was in one of the previous friendlies and then there was him because we put I think we played quite a few against some some really good teams. Mm. That pre-season was, uh, yeah. I, I remember the the names and the faces we were playing against, but mm. like um, it's obviously Chelsea, John Terry. But I'm mm. to I can't remember who mm. how you played for at the time. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then um, what, tell me about your departure from uh, from Coventry. How did that come about? Because you moved to Bristol City in January 2008, didn't you?
0: Chris Coleman was the manager at the time? Yeah, Chris, Chris Coleman um, came in at the time and um, like I think he'd only been there a month and we played some games and I think my contract was up at the end of the season. Yeah. So, Bristol City had sort of been asking the question for a little bit and and um, I think Wolves actually came in as well. Uh, and Coleman, mate, I, I don't know if he needed to, to raise some funds or, or, or whatever. It Just it just happened, and one day, sort of, uh, I was told I, I was given permission to go and speak to to Bristol, and it just happened. It like it, it, it's it's a really weird. world for such a big um, thing, uh, like a transfer, is a, a life-changing event, um, which is part of the course. You just get yeah. on with it, and you, and yeah. you roll with the punches. You get onto your next. Um, but my philosophy was you just onto the next thing and you adapt as you as you go really. Mm-hmm. I've got no real thought about it in terms of um the effect the effects and my time at Coventry, even though um I had a great affinity with, with the fans at the mm-hmm. end and mm-hmm. um and loved my time there. But when it's time to go you can't you can't afford to sort of um dwell too long on it. you just yeah. like I said, you've just gotta move on. Yeah.
1: We still had some plenty uh, of years left in you because you came back to the Midlands, didn't you? Um, East Midlands
0: Forest, and then you had a little spell at Hull, Rochdale, yeah. Wrexham. Yeah, and, and all in my thirties. <laughs> so, yeah. so, like I said, I played till I was thirty-eight, but um, I, I don't know how. <laughs> but um, yeah, the injuries I had, everything else, and, and I go back to just, I suppose, my love of the game. Mm-hmm. I just. I think a lot of people start thinking about their c- other careers, what they're going to go into and stuff. Um, I think football has always been the number one thing for me and even now when I've finished I, I, I try to involve myself in football as much as I can. I still play over 35s, I still play for former players as much as I can. Um, I coach. Um, everything is football and has always been football. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about about what you do now and in terms of the, the coaching
0: you coach uh, youngsters here you? yeah yeah I, I I came out when I retired I went straight into um, the academy at, at West Brom and, and Birmingham City and um, spent a few years there and then just decided that I, I wanted to, to do some stuff my own way I think that the academy is a great establishment you can't really get much better than that but um, there's so many coaches and there's just so much going on that it's hard to make an impact really so I wanted to, to do something where I was in control of how I coached and, and to who I coached and, and, and I, th- I, I think that um, I, I'll make a much bigger impact by combining the two, I, I still um, work at the community department at Birmingham City I still go in and observe the um, A-teens at Blues as well. Um, and, but I've got my own sort of culture company, which I do um, in my other, in my other mm. pockets of time. Mm. And, you, and you, as you say, you're still sort of
1: doing over 30 pounds and stuff like that. But, yeah. but I, I always, it's always interesting to me, but when an ex-pro um, plays against, you know, Joe Public, you know, just a, an amateur who's not really sort of played any high, high level of that, are they respectful or do they
0: sort of single you out and think well, I'm, I'm going to sort him out today most most of them are respectful I, mm-hmm. I think you get a lot of respect um, well I think you, you've got to because uh, for a, a player who's only played football for so many years mm-hmm. like you're on, on a different level and you've at times you've got to not play the way that you would do properly you know so mm-hmm. um, a lot of respects given both both ways, and but I ta- but there's, there are other times where you get the odd person who seems sees it as an opportunity maybe to, to kick out of here as well, or or maybe to exchange words and, and think and think that's in the spirit of the game. In those times, I think uh, there's a couple of instances which have forced ex-players to. I think uh, I know at least one of the ex-players who's decided he he's not going to play again. Because of that, which is a, it's it's a shame, really. Yeah. It, it, it is a shame, but ninety-five percent of the time you don't get that. So mm-hmm. I've pointed out one incident, incident mm-hmm. in, in maybe every thousand, every mm-hmm. you know. So, mm-hmm. but cup games, you, cup games, you were saying are particularly uh, difficult. Yeah, yeah. The will to win in anyone is there, and, and obviously um, even at at over thirty-five level, that desire mm-hmm. to win games. Is, is evident. Um, you get to a semi-final, a cup, and then there's zero respect. I think everyone turns into that um, that monster who wants to kick themselves to you, and you've got to almost hide and, and maybe play one or two touch to, to evade tackles and, yeah. and people. But you know, I, I, enjoy, I still, I still enjoyed those elements of those games as well. Uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't put me off playing, um, and, and I'll carry on playing as long as I'm able to. Mm-hmm.
1: He's still very much um,
0: in touch with uh, with Coventry City um, and uh, you get to games when
1: you can and do co-commentary and that sort of stuff like that, summarising for the BBC um, from time to time and you were at the Crew game um, last week um, so what, what were your thoughts what's your
0: assessment of the way Mark Robinson's team are shaping up so far I was, I was very impressed um, I was impressed with Crew as well I yeah. thought Crew early on in that game the way they um, cope with the pressure and then um, actually took the game to, to Coventry. It um, w- was really impressive. But Coventry, the crew got to a certain point and then hit two brick walls mm-hmm. uh, and in, in the shape of the two centre centre-halves, um, McDonald and um, boys, yeah Willis. Yeah. And, and they, were ve- they were just as impressive as anything else I saw on the pitch. So at the end of the game... Um, the French striker got the man of the match. Um, I saw some great performances from Jody Jones who who um, absolutely terrorised his full back in, in the first half. But as a constant, the two centre backs were immense. Just everything that came near with near them they dealt with. Um, they talked, they were aggressive, they everything he wanted from centre backs, mm-hmm. they were and I, I left that game thinking, actually if they can keep those two fit they've got a great chance of being there or thereabouts at the end of the mm-hmm. season. I mean, because their early season success has been built on, you know, being the meanest defence in the York with 17 sheets now, which is just incredible, it? Yeah, and, and that was another thing. During the game, I didn't know that fact. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I didn't, I didn't realise that their um, early successes had sort of, like you said, mm-hmm. been built around those two. But after the game, without any prompting, like, I've straight away disagreed with the man in the match and, and gone for them and because they were that dominant. Yeah. Um, as a first as, as my first view of Coventry this season, um, th- that was a, a, a really good performance. And, and bearing in mind, they played two games previously that week. Mm-hmm. That was their third game in the week. Yeah, that was really good to see. And
1: mm-hmm. um, what do you think of Michael Dawes' uh, role? Because obviously you played with him at, at Coventry so. on, wasn't he? Uh, he's, he's proven to be a really influential figure you know, as a captain and out on the pitch with, with Liam Kelly. Be impressed with with you know, that's, I guess it
0: didn't come as any great surprise how good he still is at thirty six. Not no, not at all. He's very similar to Robbie Savage, and people underestimate how good footballers they are. But more importantly, how, how good a leader he is. You know, I mean, it, um, if I'm being honest, and I don't think he'd mind me saying this, he was the most annoying. And ever on, on the pitch he would shout and scream at myself, at other players and, and actually wind us all up but that would wind us up to go and achieve more and, and be more at it and our anger for being told actually trans- transmitted into our performance on the pitch and when you've got players like that even if he wasn't as good a player as he is, you would still have him out there for his, for his leadership qualities and I think a lot of people look past that, it's all about putting your best 10 or 11 players out on a pitch, again not saying that Michael isn't one of the best 10 or 11, but I would have one out there anyway, because he brings out the best in the players who surround Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. And when you played with him, was he captain? I don't think he was captain, was he? I think he did have bits of uh, the pocket yeah. of time where he was captain uh, But he always sure, had that sort of leadership uh, within him, yeah. even just as a, 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 an equal uh, teammate. Yeah, and he would tell anyone, uh, like even Dennis Wise, who he played next to, but well, not that Dennis Wise, neither Tanner, um it, Whoever he played with, he would tell. He, you know, He's that kind of character. <laughs> if he's got something to say, he, just, he would just say it. He'd let you know. Yeah.
1: What was, why is was he like just going off on a tangent slightly because <laughs> now you've brought him up and what was he like to play with because I mean, there was a great little spell wasn't it under Mickey Adams when yeah. he brought him in and he just sort of he seemed to have sort of picked the lines up by the bootlaces didn't
0: he? Yeah, yeah. No, he, was, he was great and everyone loved him mm-hmm. you know um, it, it would have been and, and I'll say this now it would have been great for him to go and take over as the manager like mm-hmm. I think um, there was he just got on with everyone. He came in, picked everyone up with bootlaces. Never minded reputation from where he played for before and, and what he'd achieved. He was one of the lads and, and was well respected not yeah. just by the playing staff, by the management staff, by by the everyone really. And yeah. um, I think Coventry missed an opportunity to to harness. Um, that good feeling towards them uh, mm-hmm. I see it I see it at Birmingham uh, it's me going off on a t- t- tangent mm-hmm. when Guy Rower came in I see mm-hmm. it um, Lee Cosley just gone in there and there's an opportunity I think might might be missed um, sometimes when when players are um, going to a club and, and are that respected by by um, the, by everyone you mm-hmm. get that little bit more from everyone
1: yeah yeah uh, just going back to present day, then um, you said Jody Jones caught your eye and Dukins and and Nason, um, who got the goal obviously against Crewe. What do you think? They linked up quite nicely together, didn't they?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Nason um, is, is was a stray ball. I think he looked a little bit tired, but you could see how much he wants the ball and he wants to score goals. Mm. The energy, like, and he was, he was all the way through, he was just testing and probing and. You know, he looks as if he wants to turn and, and shoot, and that's great because I think last season Coventry missed a goal scorer, um, and he looks to be that, that player. Um, Jody Jones was a little bit different. Um, what I saw and thought of the game was tactically, I thought Mark Robbins, the way that they set up was perfect. You had know, Jody playing away from everyone else out on the wing, and then the play would be over this side, and Jody would just stay on that touchline, and then as quickly as he could. They got the ball to Jody, and then left them one on one with that fullback. Yeah. After 25 minutes, um, Crew got onto it, but that looks as if it could be a key to to um, Coventry's success. If they can get Jody isolated and and those pockets of space that um, he was afforded, maybe not as much. He might have to to work in in a little bit less space. But I thought tactically. All um, credit goes to, to Mark Robbins as well because I, f- I think that goal that that he got was was purely down to mm. the way that he'd set them up. Mm. I
1: and mean, it's difficult for a people like Comiskey, you because know, like obviously Jodie Jones is, is sort of making the headlines. Mm. He's got four goals already, and you know he's, he's been in various sort of teams of the week several times. Um, so far this season, and inevitably, you know, come January transfer window, you know, he's going to be linked with moves away and stuff like that. And then, Duckles' nose on there hes on loan from uh, from Wolves and could be going back in January. So, you know, it's it's going to be a big transfer window, isn't it? You know, where I guess Coventry got to sort of um, try and keep hold of you know the, the, their star players
0: that help them get where they are at the moment. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it is going to be a big one, and, and those. Plays Jones and Nazon would be hard to, to um, replace, but like we said before, I, I think it's built on on the defensive strength and um, when it's like that, you only need the odd goal to win games, mm-hmm. and, and it's always better to build off a, a solid foundation. Um, you will still need goals, and and that will be a challenge, but. Um, like I said the, the key to it is keeping the two lads fit and at the club because January won't only just bring um, maybe bids for Jones and, and the attacking players you might find one or two coming for, for the defensive players as well mm-hmm.
1: but just to, to sort it but you, you're obviously still very fond of like, Coventry and, uh, as a club and, and, and get back as and when you can
0: yeah, yeah. I always have. I always will. And, and it's a, I always take great pleasure in coming back. Rico is a fantastic stadium. Uh, it is, and, and it's especially for League Two It can only be um, a, a, you know, a focus for, for for the club to to you know to go on and, um, and do better. It, it's it'd be a great shame for for them to come out today. And, and hopefully they, they get to stay there um, because the club deserves that, really. But um, yeah, I'm always made to feel welcome and, and, and like I said, I, I just enjoy, enjoy going back no matter what the circumstances. Lovely. Dylan, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, thank you. thank you. guys.